Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. this week I returned from being on a trip to Pittsburgh and for those of you who uh, may be visiting or didn't know last weekend my daughter was married in Pittsburgh and uh, married to Charlie Hamill and it was just a wonderful wonderful time it was great you'll be hearing more about this Uh, you'll be seeing pictures Meredith has pictures in fact my understanding is there's thousands of pictures and so they will eventually be coming out But it was just such a blessed time, but not even just the wedding. In fact, it was was the whole week was just great. Because we stayed with my mom, we saw family, we saw friends. I saw a guy and played golf with a guy that I knew 0 through 11 when we lived in the same neighborhood. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those weeks where it was just filled with all kinds of joy and all kinds of good times. And when you have times like that, when you go to the place of your youth, your childhood, what you also tend to do is reminisce. You know, you're around with family, you're around with friends, and you reminisce. And, um, and it was interesting also that during that time, I just happened to decide, I had some time on my hands, to look at the readings for this week. And, you know, then I was thinking about this week. And, of course, this week is the week we celebrate the 4th of July in Independence. You may have picked that up a little bit with the music this morning. But there was this line about freedom in there. And I was thinking about my childhood and growing up with my childhood friend Archie. uh, and, And it was so funny how this came back to me. And some of you will remember this from your childhood. When someone in an authority position would say, you can't do that or don't do that, would you say, I used to say, it's a free country. Did you ever say that? It's a free country. You know, that popped back into my mind again, probably because I was back to the place of my youth and the, the, the kid I grew up with. And it's interesting how we sometimes think like that, and we sometimes act like that. That it's a free country. What are we really saying when we say that? I should be allowed to do what I want and get away with what I want. Don't tell me what to do. I'm my own law, in effect. I'm the God of my own life. And no one has the right to say... I can't do something, or I shouldn't do something. After all, it's a free country. And that's true. If you really think about our country, it is the country in the world that has the most freedom. We have stood for freedom in the centuries that we have existed as a country. Our freedom and freedom for others. We have stood for freedom. But interestingly enough, what what has happened to freedom is it's become a declaration for license. For me to do what I want to do. Almost going back to those childhood days of it's a free country in defiance. And it was interesting as we were driving 
back from Pittsburgh. It was really a beautiful morning. It was Monday morning, and there wasn't heavy traffic, and it was just great to be on the road with Meredith. And we were talking about, you know, the weekend and the week. And we were moving along, and then all of a sudden, in the mountains of Virginia, you know, you've got, for those of you that have ever traveled this, this route, 19 and 77, there's two mountains that are just uh, about a half an hour apart, and it starts slowing down. And then it comes to almost a standstill. And then we get close to the tunnel, and it's down to one lane. That's like death. When you're traveling along and it goes down to one lane, it's like death. You know, especially because you've got those trucks going out, those big hills in Virginia. And all of a sudden, you just feel boxed in. You were just free driving. And then all of a sudden, you feel boxed in. Especially when you're in the tunnel and you come to a stop in the tunnel, right? Now, I'm not claustrophobic. I just want to drive. Well, anyway, this one guy gets out of the lane and he starts driving in the lane that was closed. And then he realized that if he kept going, he was going to run into the construction equipment, so he got back over. He exercised his freedom and then recognized this is not a good idea. And so he moved back over. Well, once I got out of the tunnel, and I'm driving down the road again, and it goes back to two lanes, I am feeling free. Almost euphoric. And I decide, great opportunity to pass up all these trucks that were holding me back, And so I was just buzzing down the passing lane. And then a policeman reminded me that I'd taken my freedom too far. It wasn't pleasant. You know, it's interesting how that happens. I usually use, Mary said, don't you usually use cruise control? And I said, yeah, I do, but I just wanted to get beyond all this traffic. And I wasn't paying attention. Isn't it interesting how distractions, the distraction of the tunnel and the distraction of the traffic, the distraction of being maybe a little fatigued and a little euphoric, internal distractions and external distractions, whatever, and how it leads us to do things that we don't otherwise do. Usually when I'm on the highway and on a trip, I use cruise control because I know me. I need cruise control. So the reality is freedom can turn problematic if we're not really attentive to what it is we should be. See, freedom, if we really understand freedom, freedom in our country, freedom in Christ, There are certain aspects to what that freedom actually looks like. That freedom is meant to be a blessing for us and for other people. But the problem is when we use freedom as license, we actually end up doing something detrimental to ourselves and oftentimes threaten or hurt other people because of the misuse of that freedom. We get carried away. Now this whole notion and idea that you read about in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free, that's not unique with Paul. Jesus is the one who said it first. 
Let me read to you from John's Gospel, chapter 8. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Isn't it interesting? Because so many people in our culture think, Gee, you know, like when you have the Christian faith, and you have the Bible, it's just so restrictive. And Jesus says, If you have me, if you have my word, if you have the truth, It is the truth that will set you free. That's what Jesus says. And Paul picks up on this notion and writes about it in Galatians chapter 5. And so that's what we're going to focus on. And the first phrase you see there, if you look in your scripture, in your bulletin, or in the Bible, Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Isn't it interesting that when we go beyond the freedoms that we're supposed to have, freedom with responsibility, freedom with care for those around us, freedom for ourselves that is going to be a blessing to us, we think we have license. We should be able to do what we want. And what does it lead to? It leads to bondage. A bondage of slavery. And we don't always recognize it. We don't even always buy into that. And yet, it's what Scripture says. And Christ came to set us free from the bondage of sin. From the bondage that sin brings to our lives. The fact that we even say we need to do this. We need to sin. Christ sets us free by His death on the cross from the penalty of sin. But He wants us wants to release us from the power of sin in our lives too. Which means that we need to be filled with the Spirit in contrast to that. Now sometimes when you hear this whole notion of being in in sin as being in bondage to sin, we automatically think of addictions. I mean, that's what some of us think of anyway. Addictions. You know, alcohol, drugs, possibly pornography or gambling. You know, we think of those naturally as addictions. But the reality is that when you become in sin, a lifestyle sin, you're in bondage whether you recognize it or not, whether you believe it or not. Because you have convinced yourself that this lifestyle, this choice, this sin is okay. And we begin to build our lives around that. Let me give you an example. Do you know people in your life, and I have known people in my life, that are chronic liars? They lie constantly. It becomes a lifestyle to them. It becomes a choice to them that they just, whatever is convenient or expedient at the time, that's what they choose to say. Not because it's truthful or right, it's just what they choose to say because it makes the most sense to them at the moment. Right? And I've known people like that. How about someone who's in an adulterous relationship? They begin to build their lives around that lie of their lives. They have to tell lies to cover it up. The adrenaline rush becomes almost what they look forward to. And how that can begin to dominate your life. Any lifestyle choice that's going to influence and infiltrate your life and take over your life. What about people who think it's okay to rage at other people? It's how they've discovered it's okay to accomplish what it is they want to accomplish. The louder I get, the more aggressive I get, I get my way. So it becomes a part of your life. You see the way that works? 
How when you choose some sin in your life, how that can begin to take over and dominate your life, and how you are now in bondage to that because you think this is how life is meant to be. And that's what Paul is writing against here. He's trying to get people to understand that. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So then you get later on in the passage, if you want to look at the passage again, back to Galatians 5, look at verse 13 first. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to self-indulgence. There it is. Self-indulgence is where this leads to that we begin to entertain this as a part of our lives and we deserve it. Isn't that what self-indulgence is all about? When in fact we are called, in contrast to that, to try to have self-control, not self-indulgence. There's the contrast. And if you really think about the sources of the temptation in your lives, that which draws you from the Lord, or living the life of freedom that He really wants you to have, there's three sources of temptation that Jesus and the Scriptures talk about. Satan, the world, and the flesh. The reality is we cannot control Satan. The reality is you cannot control the world. But the flesh can be controlled by the power of the Spirit in your life because you cannot control your flesh either, apart from the Spirit. Because apart from the Holy Spirit in operation in your life, you will tend to indulge yourself. Think about how we play this game with things that really don't matter much in the big scheme of things. I'm going to indulge myself in some chocolate. Right? I'm going to indulge myself by going to the spa and having the treatment. I'm going to indulge myself by going to this restaurant and just eating this eight-course meal. I'm going to indulge myself by going on this lavish vacation. All of these things, we can indulge ourselves. And they may not have any moral weight to them. But see, as that becomes a mindset, we begin to say, it's okay for me. Because the word indulge, by the way, means that I have free reign in my life. That's what the dictionary says, free reign. That I gratify my own desires. And if you think about it, that's what self-indulgent behavior that leads to sin is all about. I have free reign. I can do what I want. I can gratify, gratify my desires if that's what I want to do. And that's where we take this. And that's what Paul is leading into as he goes further into this passage. You know, it really goes back to Adam and Eve, if you think about it. Because Adam and Eve wanted to be the God of their lives, and that's what self-indulgent is. We want to call the shots for our lives. We want to do what we want, when we want, how we want. But look at the list that Paul puts together here. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. See, that's how you've got to read this to really get this passage. And things like these. Because this is a list that's more or less descriptive of the kind of behavior that Paul's talking about. This is not the end-all, be-all list. And it's interesting because this list actually covers a variety. And what I mean by that is it covers actions, 
And it covers attitudes. And it covers feelings. All together. Because it's not any one area of our lives that we need to have the exercise of the fruit of the Spirit in. It's in all areas. And what happens is, when in fact we have certain feelings... When in in fact we have certain attitudes, it results in actions. And let's read through this list again and look for what it is we're talking about. For example, some of the action words are fornication, impurity, licentiousness, quarrels, drunkenness, and even religious, in the religious realm, idolatry. Now, fornication today, in our self-indulgent, in our rights-oriented, in our we-should-do-what-we-want-and-everybody-else-does-it-anyway society, fornication is considered acceptable. Guess what? It's still sinful. It doesn't matter what the society says. It doesn't matter how many people think it's okay. It is still wrong in God's eyes. But see, we want to justify it. We want to gratify the desires of our flesh. And in fact, it's not just fornication. It's impurity. That word indicates All sexual impurity outside of the marriage between a man and a woman. All sexual impurity. Licentiousness basically says, there are no laws. I'm the law. Because the word licentiousness, if you don't know, is lawlessness. I become the final say for what's right in my life. And no one else has the right to challenge it. After all, it's a free country. Right? That's kind of the mindset that we're talking about here. The other actions, quarrels, drunkenness, idolatry. We're familiar with all of those. Sorcery. Maybe not so much. But you begin to see this pattern that it's contrary to God's way. It's contrary to really loving Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors ourselves. Because when we violate God's way that brings true freedom... We're, in fact, harming ourselves, harming other people, and harming our relationship with the Lord. That's what we're doing ultimately. And some of you can discount and say, no, not really. I mean, it really doesn't affect anybody else. It does. It does. Because it takes a toll on you. So it does. Secondly, our attitudes, enmity, strife, dissensions, factions, it's that disposition that says... Don't bother me. Don't bother my group. Don't bother my peer group. Don't bother those of us that believe a certain way. It is setting up factions instead of saying, I'm of the Lord. I want to live in His grace. I want to live in His love. And so we have tension. We have conflict. Because we have our own agendas. The seeking of self. Instead of his agenda for our lives. And finally, the feelings that result when these kind of behaviors happen, envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy. Instead of the purity that comes in our hearts. Now, when Paul goes on to write, and things like these, he's basically saying, don't look at this list as the definitive list. This is just a sampling. And you can figure it out from this list and other lists like it, like in Colossians 3, what really constitutes behavior that's going to take you away from the Lord, that's going to hurt your relationship with other people. Let me give you an example. I have people who come up to me and say, by the way, that's not in the Bible when it comes to talking about certain things. And let me give you an example. 
Do you think that heroin use is sinful? Well, I think we can figure it out from what the Scripture says. Heroin use is probably not helpful for you. What about pornography? Scripture doesn't say anything about pornography. It must be okay, right? What do you think from what we know about Scripture? You know, Scripture doesn't say anything about beating your wife. Or beating your husband, for that matter. Must be okay if it doesn't say specifically, do not beat your wife, do not beat your husband. I mean, we can figure out from the list of things in Scripture that guide us in what is proper behavior, what is loving behavior. And we don't have to have every little item listed. that's why Paul writes and things like these, so you get a flair for it. What, what our goal is as Christians is to get a sense of the truth. We get a sense of the truth from God's Word. We get a sense of the truth by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in the upper room, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. The world cannot accept the truth. Why can't the world accept the truth? Because it has its own agenda. What's its agenda? Self-indulgence. God's way is different. God's way is not looking for an excuse, looking for license, looking for a declaration of independence, but rather true freedom. That's what God's looking for. See, you have freedom from. You have freedom from the bondage of sin. You have freedom from self-indulgence. And now we're free for what? The fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're free for. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what a great list. It's a great list. You know, Colossians 3, by the way, does the same thing. Paul goes through this, take off this old clothing, and he lists all these sins. And then he says, put on the new clothing, which is what commitment to Christ is meant to look like. Someone once said that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is describing the character of Christ. And that when he's talking to Nicodemus and he's talking about being born again or born from above, we are taking on this fruit into our lives that we begin to reflect the character of Christ. What you have in this list is a list of both attitudes and feelings. They're character traits that result in actions. So as much as Paul talks about actions in the first list, he's not focusing on actions in this list because the actions come out of the character, the disposition, the attitude, the feelings. That's what Paul's saying. And so we have this list. Now just think about it just for a minute. What if you were like what I'm about to describe? That you are so full of love, you exude love. That you are a joyful person in your life. that you are so full of peace that people just feed on you, particularly in the midst of conflict or pain in their own lives. That you are a patient person. That you don't lose your patience. You don't become impatient in situations. I could have used that when I got out of the tunnel. That you have kindness about your life that your countenance is just filled with kindness and that you just bless the people around you. 
that you have faithfulness about your life. Everything about your life speaks to your faith in the Lord, your faithfulness and loyalty in relationships. That you are gentle in all your doings with children, with adults, with anyone that comes around. That you are generous. That you're generous with your time and you're generous with your energy and you're generous with your resources. That you're known as a generous person. Oh, just ask so-and-so. They'd give you the shirt off their back. Do you ever hear that from some people? Self-control. See, that's the last fruit because it's so difficult. But once that erodes, the rest of them can erode if we're not careful. That God wants to take over our hearts and our lives by the power of His Holy Spirit. To change us and use us. To bring the presence, the character of Christ to bear in every relationship, in every situation. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is so powerful. That's why the fruit of the Spirit begins and needs to take over those freedoms in our lives so that we understand true freedom with responsibility, with love and compassion and touch other lives around us. But it is so easy to get distracted. That's where the temptations come in. The temptations from Satan, the temptations from the world, the temptations from our own flesh. We get distracted. When I was driving back, I got distracted by the construction. I got distracted by the traffic. I got distracted from my own fatigue and euphoria. Distractions from internally and externally. And guess what the result was? A fine and points. Trying to work on the points right now. But, But the reality is that When we allow those distractions to creep in, we run into problems. And our license, not true freedom in Christ, our license results in problems. And Christ would spare us that. So we need to put off this old life. We need to take on being filled with the Spirit, clothed in righteousness. That's what He wants for us. Clothed in righteousness, clothed in His Spirit. Not because we're about legalism, because Jesus talks about, Paul talks about. This is not being bound by the law. It's free to understand what the law is about and why it's there. It's free to live this life bearing the fruit of the Spirit that will result in the actions that reflect the law in our lives. That's what he's talking about. And it is a battle. Make no mistake about it, it is a battle. And what a wonderful time to make that analogy with what has happened in our country's history. Because really what we have done down through the centuries that we've existed is we have fought battles to win freedom. Isn't that what the Revolutionary War was about? Isn't that what World War I and World War II were about? The big wars that we have participated in as, as a country is about freedom. And people have laid down their lives for that freedom. Christ laid down His life so that you would have freedom. True freedom. His freedom. And we are in a battle now. A battle for our own lives. A battle for our country to understand the freedom that's talked about in Scripture. 
Recently, I was sent one of those emails, YouTube things that float around on the Internet, and it was from a speech from President Reagan in 1981. I don't know how many of you saw that. But in it, he quoted this guy. Uh, it, was, it was called A Pledge of Private Treptow. Any, anybody see that? I don't know how many of you saw it. But Private Treptow, let me tell you a little bit about him first. Martin Treptow was born in Wisconsin. He eventually moved to Iowa, Cherokee, Iowa, where he was a barber. He was 23 years old. And World War I broke out, so in 1917, he enlisted in the Army. Now, Private Treptow is not a famous person. Outside of President Reagan bringing his name up, no one ever really knew him since the World War I days. But let me tell you what happened to him. He thought he was joining the National Guard, and what ended up happening is that became the 168th Infantry Regiment, the 84th Brigade and the 42nd Rainbow Division. Now, my son understands all this stuff. But they ended up fighting in France. And while they were in France, Treptow volunteered to be a courier, that is, to deliver messages of urgency. He was killed while in battle, while he was trying to get an urgent message to another branch of the army. When they found him, they found his diary on him. And let me read to you something that he wrote in his diary that President Reagan quoted. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost, as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. That's the attitude of Jesus Christ. Because for our salvation, He had to go to the cross. He alone for our salvation. And all of His work and all of His sacrifice was so that we could know this freedom. That's why He died. And what if every Christian took the call on their life this seriously? What if every Christian who sought and said they want to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus really took their faith this seriously? What our church would look like. What this country could look like. What if we really as Christians took our faith and said, we must win this war, this spiritual battle. Therefore, I will work. I will save. I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the whole issue depends on me. What if our lives as Christians were so committed to bear the fruit, to live the life of Jesus Christ, I want to close by reading one scripture from 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter, who wrote, 
as servants of God, live as free people. As servants of God, live as free people. Yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Jesus won your freedom. We are set free from the bondage of sin, from the penalty of sin. But not for a pretext of evil. But to live by the power of His Holy Spirit. To be the messenger. As Private Treptow was the messenger. And to bear the fruit and lay down our lives. Because we love Him and because we love others. That's the call of the gospel. And as we approach July 4th, I want you to think about what is true freedom. Please bow with me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And by his giving up his life for us, we might have true freedom. Being released from the bondage of sin. Being released from the need of self-indulgence. That our lives can be defined by him. Defined by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in us. And that we can live the kind of freedom that you intend in a country where we are blessed with the freedom to worship, the freedom to serve, the freedom to give, and the freedom to sacrifice. Lord, I pray this day that as we contemplate celebrating July 4th, that the independence that we celebrate is the independence from being free from sin, free from bondage, free from oppression, and that we are free to bear your fruit for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of those around us, and for our own sake. Lord, I pray that each person here would be filled with your Holy Spirit and leave this place empowered to bear your fruit and to live with true freedom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.